Hi, I'm Monica Malhotra, and I'm the founder of The Gaggler. Hi, I'm Alia Nuru, and I am founder of Alia Co. Welcome to the Women in Power podcast. We come across many powerful women in our daily lives. They are everywhere. You may know one, you may be one. Each week, we invite women in power to join us in celebrating their stories and amplifying their voices. We aim to showcase the power in all women across all walks of life. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell for updates. If you have any questions or comments, or if anything resonates with you, let us know in the comment section below. Hello and welcome to this episode of Women in Power. Today we have Jenny Ganime. Thank you for joining us. Jenny Ganime is the founder of MindCloud Academy, the first entrepreneurial academy in the UAE. Jenny, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, I'd like to start with asking you the first question, which is um, to tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, you are a serial entrepreneur and you've now gone into the education space to help others realize their dream with entrepreneurship. So tell us how it started and how it's going. I started a fintech uh, cloud lending platform for microfinance. Uh, this was in 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, back then, fintech wasn't even a term and we had no regulations for fintech. Like we had to literally draft the law uh, of crowdfunding with, oh, wow. with yeah. the authorities. So it was quite a journey and because I was nominated in 2013 Social Entrepreneur of the Year at the World Economic Forum and being in fintech and being a female and being a social impact, mm -hmm. it started attracting a lot of people asking me to coach them and advise, advise them. So initially my mission and what I was passionate about was to, I wanted to empower people to work and back then I thought that um, the, what, what they were missing was access to money. That's mm. why I was doing uh, crowd lending for microfinance. Mm. But then when you work on the field and you visit those countries where we were working, so we were in eight countries, you start discovering that access to money is a challenge, but it wasn't the number one challenge. The mm. number one challenge was access to knowledge, mm. basic knowledge they didn't know. That in parallel with the questions I was asked from the mentees yeah. but like so things i took for granted were suddenly like how how do those people don't know it and then i realized that the privileges i had so so i came from an mba so i already had a certain background i come from investment banking so finance raising funds was also yeah. easy my friends were entrepreneurs and that's a big plus that because you see what they're doing, you see they're doing growth hacking. So mm. those were terms and things that no one had access to. And I thought that everyone had access right. to. So when I exited that, and I was thinking, what, what did I want to do next? The, the natural transition was, how can I extend this knowledge mm. uh, into a program and have it accessible to anyone anywhere? Right. And the reason it's an academy because Again, everything that is out there is either an, either an incubator or an accelerator, which means it's either themed mm -hmm. uh, uh, by, by, by theme, by industry, or by stage. Mm -hmm. so it's either seed stage or growth. And I want something agnostic. So, mm -hmm. so we would have in our program someone, uh, a 16-year-old and a grandma. And 
someone like me. <laughs> I may join the program. Yeah, so it's agnostic, and I think the diversity is very enriching to see diverse things you learn about and yeah. from, from others. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, it really, that what you've just said, it really resonates with me. Um, so I know you also have a MindCloud tribe, right? Which is this whole concept of that anyone, anywhere can get this knowledge. And I have to say, like, you know, you said something about being privileged. So, I mean, I would probably count myself in the same bucket, having access to, you know, great education, working with corporates. But even for me, and I've done an MBA as well, but even for me, like, there was like this block, you know, with certain financial terms, which I have to say, going through your program, I mean, the way you break it down, I feel like you have a natural, you know, talent for this, you know? Yeah, so one of my skills is I, I simplify it. Uh, like something complex, I break it down into, uh, and that's how tribe is. So the online is even more simplification because, like, to, because when you're in a physical program, you get to ask and interact in class, and you don't have that privilege on, on online. So, so I went even, and when you do something over and over again, like we've done it uh, probably a hundred times, yeah. you you know how to simplify it. Like yeah. even now this can be taught to 13 year olds yeah wow the same knowledge but then simplifying anyone can do it absolutely absolutely i think that takes away a lot of the the pressure people feel yeah. like i would definitely listening to that i would definitely go into it because i definitely need that knowledge yeah, for sure the, the the first challenge for anyone to go into entrepreneurship or anything new is a mental block yeah. you think you yeah. can do it and then you hear all these terms and then this is chinese for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like learning a new language you know uh, and then when it's simplified for you like okay that wasn't too bad yeah and then you learn it and then you know how to master it and then you become even an expert like you sound like an expert when you talk talk about yeah. it and the thing for entrepreneurs it's not about knowing to know everything mm. but you have to know because if you're hiring a team if i'm hiring a tech tech team if i didn't know i need from back-end developers and then i need someone to push that code put it live so this is another thing and then I need someone to check it which is another job and mm-hmm. then I need someone to project manager like these are things that we have to learn them and we have to understand how to hire the team and, uh, and same applies to the growth hacking team to the marketing team yeah. if I don't know the basics and I understand how they work what they need what can I expect from them I can't even run yeah. the company yeah. No, and it's very empowering to have this knowledge, right? So when that block kind of finally unblocks um, and to be able to do that, you know, and, and create the materials you need, you know, for your business, um, it's very empowering. At least that's the feeling that I had. Um, so you've been doing this now for quite a few years, you know, and you've, you're also a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I'd like to know from you kind of how, you know, what's your feeling of how the startup scene, you know, has taken off in the region? Um, obviously it's, you know, there's a lot of activity that's happened during COVID. How do you feel like things are going? Do you feel like it's all going the right, right direction? Are there other areas you wish were kind of, you know, became more mature or ha- had more attention paid on it? So it really depends the region as a, as a large place to describe it. We can talk about, um, what's happening and why I think mm. why became more mature than other places. We have more mature places. You have uh, uh, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, 
very mature yeah. in terms of preparing for startups. And the reason is they have talent, uh, which we don't have here. So, yeah. uh, fresh grad school. Uh, yeah. um, this is starting to happen now. And then they had um, lots of um, subsidized funding from the government and mm -hmm. programs to, to support them. So, so that created an ecosystem. So in Lebanon in particular, the central bank went and supported the VCs with money mm. to support and to start up and that accelerated even. Like a lot of the success stories here are, they were born in, in Lebanon and then for growth, they, they, came, they, here. Came, they mm. came here. Mm. Um, what's still not mature and, and like now Saudi were working a lot on accelerators in Saudi and I think Saudi is overtaking everyone from what we saw in mm. terms of what they're doing into programs. Mm. What's missing, I think, the maturity into funding. So we still don't have what we have and we see in the US and uh, and um, and Europe. And, uh, and and this is smart money and people understanding uh, startup funding and what it needs and the risks and the support. So we still lack a lot. Um, the seed funding. Mm, yeah, it's very difficult for a startup to get seed funding, and this is because we don't have this uh, culture yet in this part of. There is few. Even when you see angel investors, like you, when startups go to meet them, they still expect certain revenues. Or yes, exactly. But if it's the purpose, this yeah. is not a. Uh, is it is it just because the risk appetite here is just really low? Is that what it is? That they expect a startup to have, you know, to be making revenues already before they fund them? Um, it's, it's many things. It's also that the market is very small. Like when you compare it to US or, or Europe, the market is already so big. Like, and uh, the talent is very mature. The, the funding is very mature. The mentors are very mature. Like the whole ecosystem is way more developed. Yeah. So here the hurdles to succeed are still extremely high, yeah. so they they want that they want to make sure that at least they pass this yeah. uh, phase where ninety percent of all startups would fail definitely in the first year or two. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. it's very difficult, and, and it needs a lot. And it's not like you have a huge market. Yeah. Even now, you win the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is your audience? English-speaking people in Dubai, right? So how do you, how, where do you grow that? Mm. Who would, who would be, who would relate to this other than English-speaking? And how many are there? Yeah. Like when you start the same in, in the U.S. or Canada, let's say. Oh, that's like. Exactly. Yeah. See, it's not, you don't have that hurdle. And, and those are, the language barrier, is, is the dialect barrier is, is a thing. Mm. And, like they think it's one region, but in reality, it's not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit um, to focusing on you know the women um, entrepreneurs uh, in the UAE. So I mean, there's been a lot of I think you know news about how I think less than one percent of funding goes to women-led businesses and things like that. Um, you know, what, what advice do you have for women entrepreneurs that um, are thinking of starting businesses or already have started and they're looking for, you know, investment for their business? What is, you know, maybe the top three um, tips you have? Um, so I didn't know that only 
I just read that on LinkedIn. <laughs> I was shocked, oh, and I'll send so that to now. you. I was shocked. Um, it's and it just seems like maybe. I mean, I don't want to say it's an you know unfair game, but I mean there so are many. It or not, yeah. this is also another fun fact for you. Okay. It's, it's uh, it turns out that women are more risk averse than men. So I I, I never knew that, mm. and, and that's why uh, in high positions, uh, men are uh, they take more risks, and women in high position they would keep studying and studying something as alternative work more risk averse than men, which is shocking. And you need to be a risk taker to be an entrepreneur. Sure. So, so is, is it that, uh, the hurdle to start with? Is it a, a characteristic or a personality thing? I guess you also have to put in other factors, right? Because women are usually expected to, to get married, to have children, they have families. and men would be more likely to go ahead and take those risks because mm. they look at it as I have to go on and make money or this is my passion yeah, I don't know, and they're but followed. Also the man is the provider of the money, right. so he has more responsibility. I don't know if this stands. I think no, the woman can take more that chance, especially if the man is the provider of, of the family. I'm not sure this is um, this is it. Um, it's certainly it's it's a big sacrifice to become a, a an entrepreneur as, yeah. as you should know. <laughs> um, not only it's it's a, a financial risk, um, uh, it's a time risk. Yeah. It takes it's you you don't have. Yeah, when I did have a job from nine to five at five, I don't go. I don't think about work. Right when you have your own company, it never that stops. Stop. <laughs> yeah, like you're sleeping, whatever up with your thinking your brain doesn't stop and that affects your direct environment your family your friends yourself your health everything yeah so jenny you're a trailblazer clearly we've seen there's so many things that you've done and in a in a country where that has not been as mature right so I want to know a little bit more about the woman behind the behind this you as a woman, have you faced any hurdles because of your gender? When no, I think I was I was blessed because I was uh, uh, a female. I think you get really? yeah, mm. especially when you understand how to. Um, so I ha I am a woman, but I have I'm also a male brain, so I'm very analytical. So. Mm. I studied engineering and quantum physics, so my brain is very, <laughs> very male brain. I like that. Okay, <laughs> but, but also I'm a very so I think when you get to that balance, and uh, so having a male side means you have more authority, you have more confidence uh, in meetings, and it has to do also like education helps a lot, like like doing an MBA and working in investment banking. Like when I raise money, I I went with confidence to, mm. to raise money. Um, uh, confidence in myself and not in what I was doing. Mm. Uh, so even when, like now, I have more confidence in what, what, what I'm doing combined because I have the experience, I have a great team, like I learned from a lot of mistakes, so that aids a lot. So no, being a woman can help a lot. Mm. Um, so, and. In my whole experience, men help women a lot uh, because they don't feel they can be 
eat more plants or interesting or yeah. don't have pollen. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> like uh, it's weird. Uh, very rarely, like I met amazing women who, who would do that, uh, but usually no. It's men who can uh, help because um, they love to transmit knowledge or mentorship, and especially if you don't come as Competition? As yeah. competition mm. or bossy or... Yeah. And I'm that personality. I always think there's so much to learn from everyone around me. So I, I don't have... Uh, right. Uh, Respond. Yeah, and, I think, and I think, no, man, being a woman helped me more. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I think men compete... Mm. Uh, With each other. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. So, so do you think... Sorry. Okay. Do you think women um, don't support each other as much as per your experience because there's less seats at the table for them or is it is it something personal mm. i don't know in your experience mm, not that i ever asked a woman uh, my first investor was a woman uh, uh, and i i loved her because she knew back then like because like back then her whole for example her whole board was i think eight to nine men very old school so and i had to pitch to the board and she's the chairman of the board and she took me aside and told me exactly how to manage the aid wow um, and like little things yeah uh, that's because of who she is and she loves empowering uh, uh, women yeah. in general um, so I wasn't ever in a situation where um, I did and I have a lot of women uh, who are in great leading positions and they support me with uh, and vice versa we support mm. each other with um, contracts or yep. uh, bid proposals so that happens, and that's a, and and I had I don't I don't I'm very gender fluid, so I don't look at some at someone as male female. Uh, um, funny enough, I met someone a headhunter yesterday who his passion is to empower women and negotiate higher pays uh, for them. And I learned from him is that women are not they are equally paid. In, in the UAE, so we don't. Oh wow, that's, that's news as well. Yeah. yeah, but that women tend to be afraid to negotiate. Yeah, yeah. a lot more. Yeah, than yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I think we do that. So we under, uh, in general, I think uh, women undersell themselves mm -hmm. and men oversell themselves. Right. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, you, know, you mentioned earlier that um, you had a life-altering trek to Kilimanjaro, if I'm not mistaken. Can you tell us a little bit about that trip? What were the realizations for you? So that trip is there, sorry, that story is there because it was mentioned and it led to that first startup. But since then, I have so many more <laughs> life Tell us, yeah, tell us. We're, we're all ears. Yeah. Experiences. And then when you become more open, I think even every encounter is a life-altering experience. Sure. So, uh, so that particular story is... Uh, um, uh, and, and you have to keep being open to uh, uh, your relationships, your close relationships. 
all of them, like when you're really open to them and you don't close off, mm. everything is there. Uh, I do treks a lot and I, I, I used to do one, one big summit every year and each one of those trips is a life-altering. Uh, th- this particular one is written about because it led to that first startup okay. uh, <laughs> in particular, okay. but I wouldn't say it's the most life-altering. Which one would you say Which, yeah. is the most life-altering or something that you would remember? that really changed your direction or opened up something significant? Mm. Um, uh, pro- probably being in, in other places and, and facing um, uh, your own death or what you think in, in your head is a high survival mode. Uh, and something happens and you, you just disconnect and, and you're actually living uh, as if you died. Like, hmm. I had those moments where wow. I felt my soul leaving my, my body and... Some out-of-body experience. Wow, amazing. Going to other places and it puts a, lo- a lot of things into perspective. Uh, um, one of which, for example, is seeing all the little things like memories in your body that that keep being in your body, but you, uh, you don't uh, remember them. Mm. Uh, it just came to the surface, and and you have to resolve them. You have to face them. You have to make peace with them, and then you have to make peace with little things, because our mind tends to brush off things under the carpet or be right. in denial or yeah. say, oh, or push it down in your subconscious. Whenever I was a kid, yeah. when that happened, or. We make excuses all the time yeah. because we want to survive. Yeah. And no, these are little things that no, you have to make take attention to or things you've wronged others with or mm-hmm. mistakes you've done or okay, why did I do that mistake? But that mistake because I was young and I didn't know any better. Yeah. And, and you're doing all that in a split of a second. Yeah. <laughs> that, that could be a bigger life altering. Because it makes you kinder, and it makes you, and then you realize we're all here to be kind to each other. That's all there is. So I'm a holistic healer. I have and many old dogs. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you doing? <laughs> so and, um, we actually teach and help guide people through trauma and memories that are trapped and stored in mm-hmm. their body and all these emotions so that are stored. So on that topic, for example, I was in Berlin once and I, I did... Uh, I meet someone who does holotropic uh, breathing and uh, okay, I was curious about it and they were telling me that it's a form of breathing Then once you do it, for example, uh, memories that are trapped and the body can be released mm. and those memories tend to when it's trauma-based or unresolved issues, they can become pain, tensions, mm. or even sickness in the yeah, body. Right. So he healed someone with asthma, so that's the story, for example. And the asthma, when it was released, it was... He, he took it from like the seventh grandparents who killed so many people and the guilt in him was transferred from generations ancestral trauma anyway I was so curious about it because back then I had a phobia of having my own children if we can talk about that 
And so I do a holotropic breathing session and you go into trance and then suddenly he has his hand here and he's just putting his hand like no pressure, but I feel extreme pain. And then in that pain, I'm like, I can't do this anymore, but something is telling me, just go to the end of it and go to the end of it. Um, anyway, so the session ends, nothing uh, happened, I go home. And Nothing. I don't have a realization. I don't. I, I don't know why I have this phobia, uh, <laughs> etc. And um, one week after, my mom called me um, that she wants to come visit uh, to Dubai. I'm like, yeah, sure. And it was. I think it was September of or October. And she usually only comes January and Feb. So okay. Okay, whatever. So my mom is an adopted child. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's what we know uh, about her. And we're sitting talking once, and so just so you know, what was released in me was released in her. Wow. And, and it, that's why she felt the need to come, to come and visit. open this conversation, which I will tell you and how it led. But these are more than fun yeah. experiences. Yes, for sure. For sure. Uh, do you want to go to, so she's from Romania, do you want to go to Romania and uh, we'll go a trip to find your biological parents? And she goes, uh, no, I know my biological parents. I'm like, what? Oh, you never told me that. So anyway, it turns out that, um, uh, and she's telling me this, and I want you to imagine, I, I was crying because of how traumatic that story is. And at the same time, I was so happy because I know what was happening is a release of trauma, of that trauma. in her and, and you. consequently. And yeah. you. So what happened is that when she was five, her biological parents, for whatever reason, gave her away to my grandparents, which I know. And my grandparents, uh, uh, my granddad dies when she was uh, five, seven. My, my grand, uh, grandma is a nurse. Mm. So back in communist days, a, a nurse is assigned to a certain hospital every year. So she had to move cities. And every year, from age 7 to age 16, 9 years, she put my mom in different foster homes. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. oh, wow. And my mom was telling me, like, imagine every time I would get used to the kids. Need to change, and I have to leave them at the end. And then, and Mama was like extremely brilliant at school. Like she told me, nobody was noticing what I was doing. I was zero attention. And I'm like, okay, so and where's the biological parents in that story? And then at age sixteen, she asked her adoptive mom if she can leave her biological parents, and she told her it's one of those foster families, and I was. So oh, wow. like one of them were her parents, wow. and um, and then she told me, and I told her, well, maybe they had you, they were young, they couldn't take care of you, and she goes, no, so they had older kids and younger kids. Oh. They just literally gave her away, oh. and it was the first time she talks about all this, and yeah, so it was a holotropic breathing. But how healing, right, for both of you? I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, I have so many stories like this. I'm sure 
like you do yeah. because of what you do and these are more like you know, to release trauma that is buried yeah i know my mom is alive but you could release even an ancestral, ancestral trauma, trauma going back trauma. Yeah. Like you, you might be feeling something or suffering from something you know that isn't yours exactly but you have to release it it's your mission to release it mm, yes to, to break the cycle the break mm. the cycle exactly so i'm really curious to know when I started studying healing and holistic healing, went on my healing journey, a lot of different things led me to quantum physics, actually. And I had never thought that I would be interested in something like quantum physics because in school, science wasn't my subject, my go-to subject. I was an English major, right? So do you see a link? between the healing and the journey that you've been through and you said you yeah, studied. I, I want to also uh, just point something that a lot of those uh, healing also is um, uh, for me uh, is not correct. Yeah. I call it the new cage as well um, because um, they are like it's, it's, it's a Ponzi scheme that allows people to learn certain modalities and take it and that. So, a healing can happen uh, just to open this bracket like like I don't understand how someone takes a two a weekend course and then can go and pretend to heal others and I, I know others when they go to healing most of them are in a vulnerable place so a lot of people can take advantage of of this and like it takes years to really be a healer yeah. and it takes to heal oneself before before we can do it for uh, sure yeah for others and, and here especially in dubai it's like becoming this that's why awareness is so important yeah, you know course, checking and credentials and everything yeah um, but back to quantum physics and um, yes of what is quantum physics quantum physics is, is understanding how particles and energy work on a quantum level so which is the unseen right um so, so here's the link, because all the healing, there's no scientific proof, there's no scientific method. I could pray today and something happened, and I, can, and I know it's my prayer, but I cannot prove it scientifically, right? I cannot repeat that experience, I cannot measure it. Uh, and little things that happen, like you think of someone and then they call you, or uh, we all experience them. So on the, and this is happening on a quantum which is unseen, and it's yeah. unseen because the energy is in the unseen world. And, mm. and um, what, when you are uh, aligned with these things, um, uh, you start uh, saying, you know, certain uh, people, you, you just can't convince them. Because this knowledge, you either know it or you don't know it. And it's knowing, meaning uh, you can't you can't verbalize it. It's a feeling. Yeah, and, and and there's no need to verbalize it. It's it's just an inner journey that I don't need to convince someone. I don't need to debate someone. Like I could stay ten hours my, with my brother talking to him about it. Like his brain doesn't compute it, and yeah. I understand. And, and I understand he wouldn't be able. So many people are like this. And at the same time, I can't find the words to tell him this because 
it's a subtle knowledge, mm. right? And yeah. you have to just, uh, like, they are healers. They put your hands on you. And uh, I saw it. Like, I don't know. So what happens? How do you explain well, it? How yeah. do you explain it? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I would say I have exactly the same experience. The reason I... I went and started studying quantum physics. I say studying, I was reading a lot of books, mm -hmm. right? Um, is because I was really interested in how the science behind spirituality, the science behind healing, why so many people were able to heal with supposed techniques and some would work for others mm -hmm. and others wouldn't and some were more popular than others. So I, I studied lots of different modalities. I have certifications in lots of different modalities and what we've seen is some things work better for others than they do. And what I what I noticed was that when when I when you try to go into the science, when you try to explain, especially now there's a lot of things that are coming up with like say Dr. Deepak Chopra, Dr. Joe Dispenza, they are bringing in a lot of science-backed evidence for particular things like meditation and, and breath work and certain, certain techniques, right? But it's still, you, you can still come in and, see, and understand that, like I am also an intuitive energy healer. And this is something that I would never have dreamed of that I would be. But this was something that I, I received and it was something that I felt when I completely surrendered my, my life, my vessel to a higher power, to consciousness, to, to energy, right? Yeah, but don't forget also, it's also in your lineage, so coming from Malawi, like, so you must have in your lineage because people there were very linked to, to earth, to, uh, to spirits, to their gods and the forests and, and the mountains and, and you have it intuitively mm -hmm. in you and some other people they are so Cartesian in their mind so analytical it's impossible to mm -hmm. even I com I completely agree I people from my own family my own friends don't completely disagree don't understand what I'm doing and it's okay and, and that's completely like, okay you, exactly there's not a debate all we need like the way each one's brain is wired like because those synapses become like when the synapse is the same for 20, 30, 40 years, that's it. It becomes rigid. There's no way yeah. to change it. And there's billions of yeah. like the way yeah. I function is not the way yeah. the way I functioned five years ago is not the same now. Sure. It's not the same hopefully. Yeah, and some people are afraid of that change. Like like myself, I, I always I always think I, I don't have, I don't know everything. I'm missing or I'm biased or I'm talking from my own. And, and there's, that's why I, I like to hear this different perspective and yeah. different opinions and uh, to be challenged and deconstruct. Like, do I think like this because I, I was programmed to think like this? Like, did I hear it somewhere at school, my parents? Like I, I had to dis deconstruct religion, science, everything, and then we think from from another place, like have this freedom. But this is not an easy exercise because when you deconstruct everything, there is a phase where you feel like you're standing in the abyss, like you have no grounds. Right. Yeah. And and that's why. Again, to be kind to others, because if they don't have those constructs, 
they don't they think they don't know how to navigate yeah. uh, forward. I wonder, I mean, is it, sure. is it that they don't have the constructs or is it, you know, like, because I've read that everyone has intuition, everyone has that, that inner uh, power or whatever. Um, it's just maybe with some people, they're more aware of it or something happens in their life and then they wake up, you know? Yeah, but we don't allow it. I think we all have it, but we're yeah. all afraid. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And, and, uh, and I think the people that you're saying that they just don't think that way, it's just... Either there hasn't been that trigger that needs to happen for them to realize, okay, I'm not the only one in this universe, or or there's some other reason, you know? Um, I, I, like, yeah. you, don't you think so? I, I, mean, I, I, feel- I actually agree with both of you because I, I have been blessed to go through both phases where I grew up in a certain education, a certain family, a certain culture, a certain religion. And when you grow up in a culture and religion, you're taught that this is right. And this is the end all be all. So I grew up with the mindset of this is right and everything else is wrong. All of us. us. Yeah, we all got stuck. And then, like you said, something happened, it triggered. Yeah. And I had to, I started asking the important questions, you know, what, what is the truth? Yeah. And in search of this truth, I, I went further and, and deeper. everything I know is, is a lie. Is, is a lie. Exactly. And that's what ends up actually, yeah. And, 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 and to face that is yeah. not easy. It's yeah. not at all. Before you build that strength, like yeah. the strength that comes out of it makes you so solid. Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. It's a journey of firstly having this entire identity crisis of, I don't know who I am, who I've been all along, right? And then asking the question of what is the truth? And then asking, because it's, it's not just a simple road, right? It's not, these, these are the answers. You open this book and you, 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 you get everything that you want to know. And I think it's, globally we're going through a major uh, yeah. deconstruction. Yeah, conditioning, yeah. Like, yeah. Who are you really? Yeah. And, yeah, there's a it's mass awakening happening right now. Extremely tough. Yeah. Uh, globally, everyone went through some form of deconstruction on so many yeah. levels. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough, and that's how every yeah. death, rebirth. Yeah. And it's an entire journey, right? Like you said, with healing, it's not just a a weekend away. You go to and do whatever modality it is, yeah. and you're healed. It's it's a lifelong journey as a healer. I went through so many different things. I went through depression, anxiety, panic attacks. I had some body, some issues, some disease in my body as well. I healed all those things, but it's also a constant journey of, oh, of deconditioning. It's not, it's not a destination, right? Exactly. It, you, you constantly it's, it's have to journey. keep evolving yeah. in that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jenny, you are a trailblazer. You have done so many different things and you have shared with us some really beautiful stories. I'd love to actually know more about your, your experiences, your out-of-body experiences. It feels like we have another five conversations to go oh, here. Yes. <laughs> but um, my last and final question for you today is what is your superpower um yeah so i thought about this question i don't know if there's a superpower because i think every situation and every aspect of your life you use certain superpowers um, but if we're talking work-wise um i think my superpower uh, is um, um always um constantly looking for solutions like um, um, I'm someone when there's a challenge I'm stimulated to find a solution like some other people the minute there's a challenge it 
depresses them, it puts them down, and then when they have a big challenge or a, a big uh, setback, it, it puts them down. It does the opposite to me. Wow. It stimulates me mm. more like whenever, like especially in entrepreneurship, every day there's something to solve, there's a problem. Uh, yeah, I don't get upset. I don't get uh, edgy. I, I just like... Okay, like I start thinking of a solution. Okay, that happened, so how can we solve it? Yeah. That's definitely wow, that's a superpower. great superpower. I like that superpower, actually. <laughs> Could you fix our problems? <laughs> Especially when everyone in my team, like they're men and they don't handle, like they, they need to be zen all the time. And for me, zen doesn't exist. Like maybe this is that. Yeah, that, that's a zen state for you. And mm. you get used to it. Wow. Yeah. So, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what we love. We love to get at the stories behind the people. Yeah. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell for updates. If you have any questions or comments, or if anything resonates with you, let us know in the comment section below.